Um, took me seven months to, to do my first deal. And I didn't tell my clients. Um, <laughs> they were my first, yeah. my first clients <laughs> until they invited me to the housewarming um, party. Okay. And I told them, and they like, we couldn't tell. So they should have been congratulating you more than you congratulating them. Right. <laughs> so I, I just regurgitated a lot of the things that I had been hearing around the office and other agents. Welcome to the Millennials and Money Podcast, a podcast dedicated to help millennials to make wise decisions with their money. We find some of the best ways to learn is through stories. So each week, your host and investment advisor representative, Payne Boyer, invites a millennial guest on the show to share their money story. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to another exciting episode of the Millennials and Money Podcast. I'm your host, as always, investment advisor representative with Holmes Financial, Bertha Fisher and Company, Peyton Boyer. And this week, I got another exciting guest for you guys. This week, I have REMAX real estate agent, Mr. Tyson Redmond. Tyson, say what's up. What's up? Well, yeah, there he goes. <laughs> he said, yeah, that's how he sounds, guys. <laughs> but so he's actually in the studio with me. So that's this is going to be a lot of fun. It's always fun when people get to come in and we get a record in person. Uh, post-pandemic, that's a possibility. So Tyson, um, why don't you introduce yourself, say what you do for a living and who you are. Uh, well, as Mr. Boyer has already announced, I am Tyson Redman, a realtor of 11 years in about 10 days, yeah, at Remax here in Sacramento, California. Um, been doing it full time since 2011. Um, and, and that's it for the introduction, but I'm sure we'll get into more in a minute. Yeah, we will. We definitely will. So, Tyson, uh, you've heard the show. You know, I always like to start uh, talking about how you and I met or how mm -hmm. me and the guests met. So, Tyson, we actually had a conversation on the phone before we met in person. I know you don't remember it because I've told you about it before, uh -huh. but I remember talking to you and you, you you were kind of straight to the point. I was like, man, this dude kind of seems like a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. <laughs> but uh, And then I, got to, I remember getting ready to meet you in person for the first time. This was months later, but we just had the conversation on the phone and then less <clears throat> set up a meeting for us to meet together at a restaurant. What's the name of that restaurant one? Bach. Yeah, Bach, like like Bach, a chicken. By 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 Urban Roots. Bach by Urban Roots, like B-A-W-K, great restaurant. So we got a chance to meet there, and I was kind of like, I wonder how this guy, I wonder if this guy's gonna remember me. Mm -hmm. And I, I got there before that. So you and I got a chance to meet each other. And I right. got to get to know you as a person. I'm like, oh, this guy's really cool, man. So um that's that's and we've been just connected ever since. So we're doing actually a real estate investors workshop coming up here. A few weeks from the time this is recorded, it'll already be passed by the time this show gets launched. But yeah, we've been connecting, working together. We're kind of running parallel paths, trying to build on our businesses and grow success. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's as far as you and I go back. Um, why don't you just tell them a little bit more about what you do at Remax? You kind of mentioned how you've been in the industry, and then we'll talk about you and your money story. So um, as a as a realtor, I. Um, uh, facilitate right buying and selling of homes so uh, mainly residential homes so when someone wants to buy a house for the first time um, or just buy a house an investment property or when they're going to sell their house they call someone like myself a realtor to, to do that so um, yeah that's pretty much in a nutshell what I do and, and people are like well why do we need a realtor right you know, especially with technology, everything's online. 
um, to, again, we, I consider us like risk managers. So there's a lot of disclosures and things to know about the transaction and, and buying and selling a home, right? Things to look for, you know, some to negotiate on your behalf, whether you're on the buying side or the selling side. Um, but yeah, that's what I do. And in a fun way, I like to say that I, I slang houses for a living. You know, I, I buy and sell homes for my clients for a living. That's cool, man. And we'll talk more about you, what you do at Remax as the show goes on. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the show is all about uh, people's relationship with money. And, right. you know, the mindset around money gets mm -hmm. put in place from a young age. So let's go back there. That, you know, of course, they can always change, but that kind of foundation of that mindset around money gets put in place in childhood and what we see in the home. Right. So what was money like for you and your household growing up? Did you grow up here in Sacramento? I grew up in the Bay Area, Alameda, um, to be exact, right next to Oakland, Um if people don't know where that is, but I'm sure pe most people know because of the Oakland Raiders, Golden State Warriors, you know, hip hop and whatnot. But yeah, Alameda is an island uh, across from, from Oakland. Most people don't know where Alameda is. They think it's the county because of Alameda County. Some aren't aware that it's an actual town, um, but I grew up on an island. Um, my mom, you know, single family residents. My dad was in the picture, but they were divorced. So my mom um, is and or was a broker growing up, um, worked in mortgage as well. So um, I kind of grew up around this whole industry, which is why I didn't initially want to become a realtor, seeing how hard my mom worked, right? Um, I was like, I don't ever want to work that hard in my life. So <laughs> I will be doing the opposite of whatever real estate is and or was um, from what I saw it to be. But um Naturally, growing up, I was always a frugal person. You know, I always had to work to get my allowance. So we had chores and we got paid, you know, every week. Um, I can't even remember what it was, but I've always been a saver, right? So always saved my allowance, um, never been much of a spender. Um, and that's always kind of um, stayed with me, um, you know, monetary and, 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 and stuff like that, possessions and was never a big deal to me. You know, I wasn't always the best student growing up. So my mom would always try to put things in front of me to motivate me, right? That carrot, you know, I'll give you a hundred dollars if you get an A, hmm. right? And as I got older, like I'll buy you a car if you can get a 3.0 GPA. Yeah. Uh, none of that stuff ever motivated me. And, and, and in general, whether it's grades, losing weight, stop smoking. Um, if, if the person doesn't want to do it for themselves, there's nothing that you could put in front of them that's going to motivate it. You have to want it. Um, for yourself and, and, you know, as an athlete yourself, I mean, I'm sure you could probably understand and appreciate that some of the discipline um, that comes with, with accomplishing something, um, you know, and, and wanting it for yourself, not for your coach or your parents or whatever it happens to be. But in regards to my parents uh, with money, my, my, my dad is actually a, a CPA. He's in, okay. he's in finance and, um, he was a very frugal person as well. Um, my mom likes to spend money, but my mom also made money too. Um, but my, my parents were different in, in, in the sense that my mom always wanted to expose us to stuff, like travel, um, make sure we had nice things to give us something to work towards, right, and for. And my dad was like, these things need to be earned. So my dad was never was like, well, why would we take him to Disneyland? Why should we take them to Paris? Like, you just don't get to do that as a child. These are things that are earned that when you get older, 
you work hard and you earn these things um, for yourself. But um, yeah, I, 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 I think just how I, how I dealt with money or how I perceived money growing up, I think the majority of it came from what came naturally to me. And I, I'm, I'm a natural frugal person. Um, and I definitely don't think that came from my mom because my mom mm-hmm. to this day likes to spend her money. Um, so I don't know, maybe that's the Capricorn thing because I'm a Capricorn. So maybe it came from the CPA dad. Did, um, did he talk to you about finance at all? No, my, you know, uh, my parents, we never talked about money. Um, we didn't talk about a whole lot of things growing up in the house. Like my mom worked a lot. So, um, you know, it was just me and my two sisters really just kind of hanging around the house. Um, you know, my mom was very supportive, was very involved, right? Came to all my track meets, you know, came to all the parent teacher meetings, but she worked a lot. Um, and yeah, so may, maybe a lot of it just came from the, the church and the other people I was around and maybe some of the little things, nuances I picked up from both of my parents. Cause like, we didn't even talk about politics, right? Yeah. So, and my politics come from, um, I don't know, just naturally, like what I felt was right, not anything about who my parents, they never talked about who they were voting for. We never watched the news, right? Um, so for me, without getting into like politics and my views, I I, I, I vote, um, um, I don't vote for my wallet, I vote for like my heart, right? Yeah. So I'm all about the people and, and, and what in theory is gonna help the people and I say in theory because you know politics they say a lot and they they try to do things or at least pretend they're going to try to do things and you know it's for that these things ever get accomplished um but 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 yeah I again money's never motivated me and so it kind of bleeds into my political beliefs as well like I don't vote um about my for my wallet which some people would would think I would because of how we get paid as realtors so if you don't know how we get paid we don't we work straight commission based um we don't get paid unless we sell a house right so I could not get paid for weeks months days years right it's not the case obviously (laughs) because I've been doing this for quite some time um but because we're self-employed you know that commission check that I get let's just say example purposes that twenty thousand dollar commission check I get I don't get taxed up front, right? I'm not a W-2 employee. So I have to put money away, at least 30% for me um, for taxes, unless I pay my quarterly taxes. I have to put money back into the business, right? I have to make have enough money to pay my bills. I have dues and fees. Um, so you have to have a, 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 you have to be good with money or very disciplined with money to be a business owner in general um, because, you know, the money comes and goes and it's not always consistent. What do they call it? Uh, feast or famine? Yeah. So real estate um, could be very feast um, or, or famine um, if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, no, I imagine. I, I imagine I have um, a lot of people who wanted, wanted to jump in real estate, they quit their jobs, clients, and they're famine. It's not as easy as it looks. There's a, there's a ton of agents out there. There are. There are a ton last of time agents. I checked, they're in Sacramento County alone. That does not include our surrounding counties, you know, Yolo, Placer, El Dorado. Um, there are over 6,000 registered real estate agents in Sac County alone. Um, so, yeah, and everyone knows at least five to 10 
real estate agents. So um, I feel very fortunate, very blessed that I've been able to do this at a relatively high level for uh, as long as I have. So you talked about, go back to growing up, your your parents didn't talk to you about money a lot, but what you had both two parents who were working good jobs, well-to-do jobs. Uh, how was money in your household? Was it, did you guys, the haves, the have-nots? You guys were we, in the bed? I would, I would say we were upper middle class, you know, growing up and now being an adult, having a, a kid myself and being uh, uh, allegedly more mature. My mom has sometimes shared stuff about growing up and what it was like for her financially, where she said, there were times when I didn't know how I was going to feed you guys, or I didn't know how I was going to pay the mortgage. Um, but my mom being, uh, you know, the strong black woman that the strong parent that she was, um, I never saw any of that. Like, I can't think of a time where I was ever worried about, um, you know, what we were going to do, where we were going to go. There are definitely times when I knew I wasn't going to get something, right? My mom, I always uh, mess with my son. And, 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 and as a parent, we, you know, kind of say and do the same things that um, our parents did to us. But, you know, we'd want like McDonald's, right? A round table, you know, mm-hmm. for those that are here in California. Um, my mom would have, you got round table money, right? <laughs> it was always, you know, do you have, I'm like, mom, can I get, uh, you know, the, this cross color, yeah. you know, Bugs Bunny and, and Tasmanian Devil. Oh, uh, yeah, it took me back with that one. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, do you have X money? Like, do you have the money to, to pay for yeah. that? And, and, and looking back, maybe that was like, we didn't, we didn't have, but, um, you know, we always had a nice house, right? Alameda is a very nice place to live. Um, it's even a lot nicer now with, with, with the way home prices are. Um, but yeah, I would like to, looking back, I always felt like we were like upper middle class, like okay. always had nice clothes. They weren't the coolest clothes, right? We shopped at JCPenney's, right? Every now and then at Marshall's, you might find like a cool FUBU shirt mm-hmm. or a Tommy Hilfiger nah, shirt. The Mar- Marshall's and TJ Maxx, yeah. you find the clothes of it. Yeah, Platinum yeah. FUBU back in the day. Yeah, there's FUBU and Tommy and Polo, all the stuff that I wanted to wear. But, you know, we only had one pair of shoes like to wear for the school year um my mom wasn't about um access stuff excess stuff but looking back you know it was probably more so because we didn't have um what do you call it when you have extra funds the uh you know we, surplus the surplus of funds to, to buy this stuff but i never felt like i was going without you know even though i didn't i didn't have some of the things i wanted like the cool clothes but you know I had clothes and they were, they were fine. So, but, but yeah, did I answer your question? Yeah, you did. Cause I talk a lot and sometimes I don't know if I say anything. And so now you, you're saying a lot. So okay. I appreciate that. Um, uh, for our listeners, I've, Tyson's doing a great job of not cussing. I do appreciate that. Oh, why did you say that? Oh, did I jinx now? it? Did I jinx it? Yeah. Oh man. Okay. The reason why he brought that up, cause I curse a lot, but I, I think because and I told you, like subconsciously, yeah. I know when to cuss and when not to cuss. <laughs> and it's not, I just, this is kind of like a very professional, right, work environment. So subconsciously, I know not to cuss, oh. right? Um, but now that you brought it up, and <laughs> depending on how long we, we talk, how long this episode goes on, the more comfortable I get, there may be one or two. 
Okay. But you might have, hopefully you didn't jinx it. So, hey, that's the know. disclaimer, guys. That, that I apologize to our listeners if, if it does slip up. It was my fault. But hey, um, well, hold on a second. I want before we move on, uh, cursing, right? We talked about this at our dinner. They say, right, the people that curse are some of the most honest people in the world, right? People that curse are, are very real, authentic, right? They're honest. Um, which I love hearing now because growing up, I always heard um, people that curse don't have a, a strong um, vocabulary, right? They don't have a good handle on the English language. That's what I tell my kids. Right, which isn't, hopefully, the last 10 minutes you've been listening to me, hopefully it, 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 you could tell I have somewhat of a vocabulary and I know how to communicate. Um, but I curse because I just... it. I'm a very emotional person, right? You, you, you've spent some time with me. I get excited very easily. Um, and it just makes me feel good. And I feel like it puts more emphasis on something. It's like, oh, I love this chicken, right? Like, I love this effing chicken, yeah. right? It just, you put more emphasis on it. So for me, it has nothing to do with the fact that I don't know how to communicate. I just, I just like the curse. It makes me feel good. I don't know why, where, where that comes from. So my parents didn't curse. I, I still can't curse in front of my mom. Yeah. She doesn't like uh damn or hell, right? Um, but yeah, you know what my mom's part my mom's a baby boomer, like the the greatest generation or whatever. Yeah. So um, you know, I, I still gotta come correct when I'm around my mom. Nah, I respect that. I do the same. I'm not a curse at all. But, but tell your kids. It means they're honest. Nah, I mean, your 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 nah. your daughter and, and your son are, are too young to be cursing, but don't let them, don't, don't put them in that box. They're going in the box, the, the cuss-free box. All right, well, you're gonna have to let them come hang with with uh, Uncle Tyson. Oh, the Uncle now. Tyson, huh? So you talked about uh, money not motivating you when you're young, but I do know you were an Still athlete. Doesn't motivate me to this day. Well, let's talk about what motivates you when, when you're young to get out there and start. I know you enjoy sports. You're, you're competitive. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. How you found ap- athletics? Um, I think like most of us, like when you're a kid, your parents put you in something, dance, soccer, whatever it is, right? It's kind of natural when you're a kid, you're doing something, right? Um, if your parents have the means and whatnot, but um so I think the first sport I played was t-ball right everyone plays that everyone but you know t-ball because that's the first thing um don't remember too much of that I I definitely see the pictures around my mom's house so that's how I remember it but my main sport um for a long time was soccer which I think every kid plays soccer at some point um and I don't know, it just came natural to me. Like, um, I, I didn't find track, track didn't come into my life until around, I was like maybe eight or 10. Um, but I always knew I was faster than the other kids, right? Yeah. Um, and then I think it was a, a natural progression because I was so fast or maybe my mom just, because track, uh, when you run in a club sport, it's like year round, right? So um, there's a, a huge... Um, track club in the Bay Area, open to be exact 3M. So if any of your listeners around my age or grew up in the Bay Area or know about track, they'll, they'll know them. So um, they practice at Oakland Tech. Marshawn Lynch went there for any football players, um, football fans. Um, and, and it just, I no one likes losing, right? Yeah. Um, but it takes 
an athlete or a certain type of person to not like to lose and do something about it, right? So I was very fortunate to where I had a natural ability to where, you know, at times to my detriment, because if if you're naturally talented, you see it all the time with professional athletes, right? When they're naturally talented, they don't have to work as hard or they get special treatment. Um, so it's not even that I necessarily liked running because I, who likes running? I didn't like running. I just liked the fact that I was good at it and, you know, and I was winning. So that, um, so that's what motivated was not to lose. And to this day, that's what motivates me in real estate. Like, I don't like to lose. Um, and, you know, not being able to pay my bills and seeing other people do better than me is, is like a competition to me. And I don't, I don't like to lose, but yeah. Um, uh, just always want to be getting better. Um, and I like the attention. I'll be honest with you. Like who doesn't like attention and who doesn't like to be the best. Um, so all of that, like everything that came along with winning motivated me. Um, but a huge part of it was it came natural to me. So I, I didn't have to work as hard as, um, as I probably should have and or as hard as some others had to work because I had a natural talent. Yeah, and, and that could, like you said, that could be detrimental. Like that was my problem with but I was a good, I could fight. Mm -hmm. I could fight, but I didn't have the work ethic at the young age. It wasn't so much I didn't have the work ethic for me because I was so naturally talented. My mom was Olympian, by the way. She, okay, she's, in the seven, she's in the 76 Olympics for long jump action, track okay. and field. So like trying to make the Olympic team was my thing. And it got to the point where like it mattered so much to me that I think I, I got to the point because I had so much natural talent. I didn't put the work in because I wanted subconsciously to have an excuse to not succeed. Mm -hmm because I was almost, because I didn't want to get, do my best and fail. So that, that's funny that you mentioned that. And that's kind of, for me, I, I didn't have, because I was so naturally talented, if I didn't make it, there had to be a reason. All right. So I kind of gave myself that excuse. I kicked myself all the time for it. But um, it's just, I just wanted to touch on that because you mentioned that it's athlete to athlete. That's funny you say it because um, I didn't. So when I moved up here to Sacramento and I, and I was running track at the high school up here, I went to state finals um, as a sophomore. Yeah. And for for those that played any high school sports, like you know, to like do that. There's no sophomores there at state finals. Yeah, and um, you have to be mentally and physically strong to get to that point. So this was just pure talent, and I also had a really good coach that um, knew how to deal with my hard headedness, right? Um, and then you know you start to get letters. Like if you make it to state anything in any sport, like you're on the college's radar. I was getting letters from every school you could think of, um, you know, Princeton, Brown, Berkeley, um, you know, everybody. And then uh, same thing happened my junior year. Uh, and then um, it started to get obviously closer to senior year, graduating, where you can go to school. Um, and I actually didn't run track my senior year. Wow, why is that? Uh, almost somewhat similar to the reason why you weren't disciplined with boxing is um, being a student athlete in college. And, you know, I was, a, I was a big fish in a small pond, right? Not that I was the best, right? And there weren't people that were, um, that could hang with me, but it's, you know, I was the best person 
in 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 San Joaquin County, that's the like little league we're in. But going to college, like now I'm racing against people yeah. from the United States, right? Um, from the world. And I, I think um it was a lot of pressure for me and 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 I wasn't mentally prepared for all that. I, you know, as a kid, you're you're still developing mentally. And it was a lot of pressure. And I wanted an excuse. Like I instead of like failing, I'm yeah. just not going to like, you know, I forget who says, but things like Eric B or it's like it's like lotto, you gotta be in it to win it, right? Like yeah. I have to run track in order for me to fail, right? Yeah. For yeah. me to know that you know, to just be in that place. But if I don't run, right? Yeah. And that's funny, man. I I didn't expect us to go down this path, but this is another benefit of doing this in person. Mm-hmm. Is like I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's uh, and as adults, we talk about being immature as children. Like I was young. We're kids when you're when you're a student after you're a kid. Mm-hmm. Your mind's not developed. You, you don't think the way we think now. And like I said, I'm kicking myself now. But then I I remember thinking like uh, when I when I went now I got bronze in nationals one year. When I qualified for the semifinals, That's I remember. third place, right? Yeah. Okay. When I qualified for the semifinals, I remember thinking, like, if I just got injured right now, I would not have to fight two more days. And I, and I, it's just so much, so much, there's so much pressure on an athlete to perform mentally. And, and there's no outlet. Like, your coach is not talking about the mental aspect around your sport. They're only talking about physical. So I do respect any athlete out there. And there's so much that goes along with that. People, yeah, people don't understand. So when you, when you see LeBron James cry or whoever's crying, when you see him cry and like you just won a stupid football game, like especially as a pro, like it started from when they were eight. And yeah. now that's, you know, 20, 30 years later and people just don't understand that the, the physical and mental sacrifice that it put in. But for me, it was like, yeah, I don't have to say like, oh, I didn't go to this school because I lost this race or I ended up going to the school and I didn't succeed because I wasn't good enough. Yeah. So, um, so honestly, the, 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 the very few people that know my history with track and sports and they ask why I would always tell them like my heart wasn't in it. That's what I would tell them at the time. Yeah. I said, oh, my heart wasn't in it anymore. I didn't want to run anymore. I just did it you know, because it was something to do in school, but being 39 and not caring and, you know, um, if I'm keeping it real, it was, I was afraid of failing. Hey, that's the trip, man. I was the same way. I was like, I was afraid of not being good enough and giving them all not being good enough. Yeah. Well, we kind of, we segue there, but let's kind of get back on track. Uh, Get back on track. No pun intended. Let's get, get back on the path. And um, you talked about, you know, you didn't run track senior, senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you didn't commit to any college, obviously, because you weren't running. What happened after high school? Uh, what was the next steps? Uh, did you jump into real estate right away? I know. No, so I'll keep it short, you know, so we could get back on the on the money on the money train. Right. Because people are listening to 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 hear some financial advice or compare their financial journeys and stories to, to your guests. Right. Um, so didn't go to, I went to a community college for a couple years. Um, you know, wasn't really into that. Um, so I, I, I decided I was just going to be a worker. Like I've always worked hard, right. Anything I ever did 
you know, um, I always worked hard. So um, when I was 20, I bought my first property. It was wow. a condo. You know, my mom being a real estate broker, I had an office job. And she's like, how much money do you make? I told, I can't remember. I told her, she goes like, you need to buy a property. What year was this? This was, so I'm 39. So do the math, 19 years ago. Dang. Yeah, 2000, 2002. It would have been 2002, not 2003. 2003. Yeah, 2003. 2003. Um, so I bought a condo um, out here and I was nervous because I looked at my mortgage payment and I used to balance the check. I mean, you guys know how old I am, but like <laughs> guys probably don't write checks, but you know, checkbook, they had that little balance little yeah. thing in there. And if I bought a pack of gum, I would put it in my checkbook and oh man, I would get, I was such a nerd with it. I would look at my monthly statement and then look at my checkbook. What do they call that thing in there? The ledger? Yeah. I'd look at the ledger and if the my ledger and my bank account was like the same to the penny. Yeah. Oh man. That could be so fun. <laughs> That's um, that CPA blood in you. Man. Right. So um, yeah, 20 um, now I ha really had to work because like I didn't want it be taken away from me, right? I don't want to lose. Well, let's do, before you kind of go there, uh -huh. talk about the process of buying your first home. Mm -hmm. Like 20 years old, yeah, thank God your mom was in business, but what was the whole process like for you, the whole home buying process? Um, it, it was so long ago, it's, it's hard for me to remember the process. I honestly, I, I if I remember correctly, I didn't even like look for homes. My mom just was like, here's a condo. What do you, I want to bring you by this condo and tell me what you think. And, you know, not really caring, not really knowing anything. I was like, well, I don't need a house. Like this is a, basically an apartment, right? But it's my apartment. My mom explained to me the process. Like this will be yours. You own this, right? You're going to build equity in it. You know, you could buy something else with it, but you need to do this and not really understanding the process, not really understanding what all of that meant. But I understood that this was my mother telling me to do this. This was her job as a parent, also what she did for a living. And I'm like, well, my mom's not going to tell me to do anything that's going to be detrimental to, you know, what to my life. So I, I really trusted my mom. I'm like, okay, if you say I should do it, then it was a, it was in good shape, decent neighborhood. So I bought it. Um, but I, I didn't really get nervous about any of it until I'm, I'm at the title company signing all these papers. And then they, they show me what, what my mortgage is going to be. And I think at the time total was like 800 bucks. It was something <laughs> now you, I think about yeah. what, things are, it was very nominal. But for me at the time, my financial situation. Working out, what were you doing at the office job at this time? Uh, so I worked for the Associated Press, AP, right? Most people should know who and or what they are. Um, but if you don't Google it, um, and I was a, I was an ad verification specialist. So what that means is, so Jaguar, right? They're gonna run an ad, or American Express, but a company, right? These were some of our clients, is why I'm throwing out these names, but like American Express would, would want a quarter page ad to go out on Sunday's paper, mm. right? And so they would pay all these papers throughout the US to run this ad, quarter page ad on their Sunday's paper. And so these newspapers, they're supposed to send us um, the company, right? 
um, the ad so we could verify that that the ad ran when and the way that the company paid for it. Um, and so we would verify that it ran properly in all these newspapers across the US. Um, but the, the, the main part of our job and the most tedious part of the job was 80% of the papers never sent us the actual papers. Yeah. So we had to call the newspaper and we'd have to call and call and call. Okay, I'm gonna send it, I'm gonna send it. Um, I'll send it regular mail, I'll send it uh, you know, overnight. You know, and they never came. So our job was to call, 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 call until we got the actual paper. And sometimes we'd even give them like our company's FedEx or UPS account because they're like, oh, we don't have the money. We yeah. can't do it. I'm like, okay, cool. We're going to give you our account number and send it. Um, so yeah, I can't even remember how much I made. I still have stuff when I was going through my stuff, uh, doing some financial stuff. And I came across um, my uh, annual little thing that the uh uh the lender sends you for like your taxes and stuff and it was I was laughing at how small that number was but um anyway I didn't get nervous until I saw the amount I had to pay and I I was freaking out. I remember looking at my mom and said, this is all my money yeah like after I pay everything else I think I only had like a hundred dollars left over um and that freaked me out but my mom, you know, very spiritual woman, believes in God, you know, so we prayed on it, you know, told me God wouldn't put me in this position just to take it away. And, you know, just the confidence and faith my mom put in me. I was like, okay, if you, if you say I'm going to trust you. So, you know, there were times when I struggled financially. So I had three jobs at yeah. one point. Um, and I had to share this story yesterday. Um, and I share this story a lot because a lot of people, they see where I'm at now financially and professionally and they go oh you know you don't know what it's like right yeah you know to to you know struggle to struggle or like you're not tripping how much gas is because like right you make you make it a decent living but I had my office job I worked part-time at a movie theater and I had another part-time job at a woman's clothing store the limited at the downtown mall for for, for those that might remember so I had my full-time job in the movie theater, but at the clothing store, they're like, look, we'll be flexible. So whenever you're not working at the other job, let us know and that's when we'll schedule you. So I worked three jobs just so, um, cause I didn't like the numbers being so tight, right? I didn't like struggling. Yeah. I didn't like living paycheck to paycheck. So I just, for me, I was willing to put in the work so I could be financially stable for me in my situation at the time. Um, but but yeah, so I I kept that condo. And I was like, I'm just gonna live here till I get married and have a kid, right? Because yeah. I wasn't gonna need anything else as a single man. Um, but market was getting better. Um, so this is starting to come. We're coming up to the bubble at this point. Yeah, this is 2007, 20, 07. So this had to have been yeah, this was like 05, okay. 06. And so took the equity, sold that condo, took the equity. And I bought like a fixer up in South Sac. Oh, what did you make on the condo? I don't can't mind. even remember. I mean, I'd tell you if I did. I can't yeah. even remember. Yeah. I could probably look back on the tax record. <laughs> give me a part two. But I can't even remember. It was enough to, to buy this house and to have money left over to fix it up. It wasn't like a complete dump, but, you know, just carpet and paint and like countertops and cabinets. And you bought this house uh, intending to flip it. 
I was going to live in it. No, no. Okay. It was just for me to fix up so I could live in it, make okay. it habitable for me to live in. So I purchased that. Um, and at the time I had another job. I was working for seven up at the time. You know, I was, I was making $65,000 a year, which as a single man, yeah, that's, that's nice. a lot of money. Yeah, that's nice. I had a car at a house had my motorcycle <laughs> and I was like, this is it. Like, this is what we strive to have. And I'm only, I was what, the 25. American yeah. I had the American dream at 25, never went to school. Yeah. Right. Um, I just worked hard for it. Um, no debt really. Uh, no i mean I my house know. and the car but like yeah. i never had a credit card yeah um, my mom um always taught so i guess my mom did teach me one or two things now that we're, we're talking about it if you can't buy it with cash right if you don't have the cash to buy it you don't need it mm -hmm. so my my mom did always teach us like don't buy anything on credit you know i did understand how credit cards worked um but me being a frugal person like i was never worried about falling into that whole debt kind of credit card deal and I, I never really wanted for much like even as a kid you know I would ask for one or two things but it, I wasn't the kid where you went to the store and I had to have something I had to ask for something yeah I didn't ask for a lot um even to this day like I'm a very simple person with very simple needs I like nice things right and when I want something I'm probably going to buy it and it's probably going to be expensive but you know Okay, so uh, you're doing you live American dream. Uh -huh. Got yourself a home, got yourself a car. You're making sixty five thousand. You're single. You swore off real estate as a kid. Didn't want to do that, mm -hmm. but today you're in real estate. So how did that happen? Cool. What, what so, happened? So, um, uh, so I had. Um, I'll share the personal story because I don't know who's gonna be listening, right? Okay. So I did have a girlfriend at the time. Um, uh, my girlfriend and I ended up getting pregnant. And um, we ended up breaking up before our son was born. Mm -hmm. And uh, Trent was born in July of 2007. So because we didn't have a very amicable breakup, um, attorneys and other stuff had to, you know, we, it, it, we had to go down that route with yeah. the courts and attorneys. So um, I had an attorney. She had an attorney. I had child support. Like all that stuff that was involved with, 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 with that. Uh, it, it drained me financially so that's how i lost my house had nothing to do with the with the, the oh, crash so lost the house. i lost the house because mm -hmm. um i couldn't afford um all of my bills and then pay for an attorney pay for her attorney pay for the child support um and it's a it, it's a messed up situation just because the way that the the court systems are it's one size fits all right mm -hmm. and they're really um based upon usually men right fathers that don't want to take care of their child or just parents in general that don't want to take care of their child, but obviously mainly men. Um, so when you do have someone like myself, right, who doesn't have a criminal record that wants to be in their child's life, that has a good situation, you know, it's not, they don't move things around to make it to where mm -hmm. I can still keep, you know, my lifestyle. And I wasn't not trying to take care of my, my son, but I just, you know, anyway. I, I, you know, I had to pay $1,100 a month in yeah. child support on top of your other bills, on top of my other bills. And I couldn't with their formula, the way their formula is, it showed that I had the money, yeah. but I really didn't have the money. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up losing my house and actually going into debt because of all of that. So 
my life was looking very bleak and not to any way I wanted it to go or I ever thought my life would be like, I was getting into debt. I was losing my house. Right. I had like drama for the first time in my life. Like I had problems before, like, don't get me wrong. Like I had problems just like anyone else, but no drama. Right. Yeah. Even to this day, I still have problems, but I still don't have drama. So lost my house, was getting into debt, um, had to move into an, a low income apartment. Right. Again, a life I never saw for myself. Yeah. A life American I, dream got right, snatched for I, a little I, bit. A life I, ne- I, I, you know, I was never really exposed to. Right. My mom protected me from all this stuff and I knew it was around. Right. Um, but uh, never experienced it personally. So I was like, OK, I need to get out of debt. I need to save money and I need to make more money and I need a flexible schedule to where I could be a part of my son's life. And real estate just presented all those opportunities to me. Um, I could have a flexible schedule, right? So I could be in my son's life, pick him up from school, drop him off, go to his soccer games, whatever. I could potentially make uh, a decent amount of money to pay off my debt and then to save it, right? So everything that I kind of needed to do to get out of the situation I was in, real estate seemed to have all of these, excuse me, opportunities. So um, I quit my job at the time Mm. and I went to go work for my mom and she put me on salary. Like she gave me just enough to pay my bills. Yeah. Um, But, um, but not anything more, not anything less, like just barely enough to get by. What were you doing for your mom? I was a gopher. So my <laughs> mom at the time uh, was an REO agent. So she got all the foreclosures from the banks. And at the time, this mom, what year was this? This was 2010. So there were foreclosures left and right. Yeah. So yeah. at the time, my mom had 100 properties from the bank. Ooh. Yeah. So my mom had 100 properties from the bank. And um, I was the gopher. So my job responsibility was to, so how it works uh, when a bank takes the house back, you know, the bank in this case, Fannie Mae is in Texas, right? So they don't know the markets. They can't go out to the house here in Sacramento. They would assign um, the property to a, a local broker that they have a contract with. Um, and then it was our job to identify if the house was vacant or was occupied and who was living there. So I had two forms. One was in English, one was in Spanish. Um, and it basically said that the bank has taken back your home and these are your options depending on who you are. So I go to the house, post both of them on the door. I take a picture of it, proof that it was that, you know, that I did it. And then I would knock on the door. And then I was like, hello, my name is, you know, Tyson Redmond. I posted something on your door. They would take it and they would stare at it for a minute. Um, And then I would just go down the questions, right? So if you were a tenant and there was a lease, uh, the bank would honor that tenant for a year. If you were uh, the actual homeowner or related to anyone that owned the home, you had to get out of the house. So um, the bank would offer them cash for keys. Um, some people didn't take it for whatever reason. How much cash was it? Um, so it would depend. They, <laughs> the bank, <laughs> the bank would actually pay a lot more than yeah. than what they than, than 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 what they would tell you. But usually it would be 
anywhere from 500 bucks to to $3,000, depending on how quickly, the quicker you got out, the more money you got. Um, So if you did not take that route, um, eventually we would go to eviction court, evict them. I'd show up with the sheriff, you know, on the day that the court had appointed and um, I I would be there to um, make sure that they left so that the the, the sheriff would escort them out of the the property and they couldn't take anything with them. So we would have, we would have to post a 17 day notice. So they would have 17 days to contact our office and they would schedule a day and time with me in order for them to go back and get the stuff out of the house. So depending on how cooperative you were or the mood I was in or my schedule, you know, I would give you anywhere from 30 minutes to four hours, you know, because some people, you know, they were, they were, they were obviously not happy to be be removed from their house. Um, But I was put in a lot of awkward situations. I was going to say, do people hate you? Um, Yeah. You know, some people, they knew it was coming. You know, Mm. I, I met people that hadn't paid their mortgage in four years. And so they were just waiting. (laughs) They were waiting for the day for someone like myself to knock on the door, right? Sometimes the houses were vacant. They had left months, weeks, years ago, so it was no big deal. But yeah, um, unfortunately, it came to a point where I was jaded, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and I had the perspective of, well, you know, you haven't paid your mortgage in two years. What have you been doing with that money? Yeah. Right? I don't have a place to go. This I'm like, well, I know you've been ideally saving money, right? Um, some people I feel bad for, they have some pretty sad stories. I mean, they were all sad stories. I never got pleasure out of, you know, putting people out of their homes. Yeah. Um, but some people, you know, it's just, like I said, I became jaded, but I, uh, we could do a podcast on just <laughs> that, that the, those stories and experiences alone. So that's the type of stuff I did. Um, you know, putting lock boxes on property, going to eviction court, taking photos. Um, I was just a gopher until I got my real estate license in May of 2011. So, so when, what made you decide, you and your mom decide, hey, you're ready to sell homes and not just, now you're ready to put oh, people in? I have my license. Okay. That, that was the determining factor. <laughs> so my mom took me off salary and was like, you better go out there. Get it how you live. Right. Um, so it took me seven months to do my first deal. Ooh. Yeah. And, and so during that seven, did you have savings from your, uh, from your salary? My mom would like pay me to do stuff like odd jobs, like, you know, do an open house, do this, do that. Um, so yeah. And it, and for anyone that's out there thinking about getting into real estate, um, it should not take you seven months <laughs> to do, to do your first deal. Um, I, you know, I, I wasn't, my mom, uh, I learned how to write a good contract. I learned the contract. I learned a lot about REOs, but, um, you know, my mom's old school and didn't have to do some of these things that as agents, newer agents have to do nowadays and, and things we do. So I didn't learn how to do a proper open house, like how to market myself. That's one thing you do not learn when you're studying to get your real estate license. They teach you about law, and 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 all this other stuff but they don't teach you how to market yourself actually how to get business they don't really teach you anything about real estate practice and how to grow a business how to market yourself and how to actually get business yeah 
They don't, they don't teach you how to be a real estate agent. You don't learn anything about that. So it's good to find a good brokerage that will, that will coach and train you. So that's the main reason why I wasn't coached and trained, um, you know, in my mom's defense, like she had a hundred properties. She didn't yeah. have time to, to train anybody. You know, she had a lot of balls in the air. So um, it took me seven months to, to do my first deal. And I didn't tell my clients um, <laughs> they were my first, yeah. <laughs> my first clients <laughs> until they invited me to the housewarming um, party. Okay. And I told them, and they like we couldn't tell. So they should have been congratulating you more than you congratulating them, right? So I I just regurgitated a lot of the things that I had been hearing around the office and other agents say to pretend like you know I was faking it till I made it. And you know those very first clients they they end up being uh, really good friends um, and very fruitful clients. I've I've sold four family members homes. They refer a lot of people to me unfortunately um a lot of them aren't able to buy a house mm. um because at the time my client bought a 1700 square foot house for ne- for ninety thousand dollars in the Thomas. right so i bet you they're happy now if they still have it yeah of course they couldn't even afford to buy a house in this market but they would tell all of their friends hey my mortgage is only eight hundred dollars you need to call tyson you know, to get you a house. And they're like, we want a house like Sylvia. Yeah. Right. Like you can't get a house like Sylvia. (laughs) The market isn't like how it was, but yeah. um, That was May. I got, I was, I passed my test and became a a realtor on, on, on May 12th of 2011. So we're it's May 29th today. I'm sorry, April 29th today. So we're about two weeks away from my, from my 11 year anniversary. So I, I never looked back and I've been growing and, and doing better and better ever for some. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for listening to part one of this two-part episode. So please be sure to tune in next week to hear part two of Tyson Redmond's Money Story. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's your host and investment advisor representative for the Homes Financial Peyton Boyer. I hope you enjoyed the show. It's my job to understand my clients' financial goals and work alongside them to design a plan to reach those goals. If you're looking at editing your own money story, I'm here to help. Give me a call to schedule your free one-hour consultation, either via Zoom or in person. My phone number is 916-271-1974, or click the link to send me an email below. Have an awesome week. Payne Boyer is a financial professional with Homes Financial of and Securities offered through Bertha Fisher & Company Financial Services, Inc., BFCFS member FINRA, FIPC, Homes Financial is independent of BFCFS.